Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button to Edge Got In, to your mind, your will, and those crazy emotions. Perhaps you're coming to today's podcast and you have a little stowaway between your two ears that is blocking you from experiencing the peace of Christ that surpasses all human understanding. We're going to be talking about a topic today that perhaps you can relate to. It's called deliverance in the dark room. What is God delivering you from in your dark room? Our learning objective at the end of today's podcast is that through our discussion in the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to discover a perception of the struggle that perhaps you haven't thought about before. But it's actually very clear in Scripture. And the gift of the struggle, what it gives to us, what it delivers us from, and where God desires for you to go as a result of the training that he's doing in the dark room in your life. Metaphorically, we're using the metaphor of a dark room. I remember in high school when... I had some friends that were part of the photography club and they would show me the prints that they would develop and they would describe to me what the process was like. I thought it was pretty fascinating. They go in this dark room and if the light was turned on, then it would absolutely ruin the um, negative that they were working on, that they were trying to develop the picture fully. So all the color, everything would come out clearly and beautifully. And if it was exposed too early to the light, then the picture would be compromised. So my friends, I'm using that metaphor today to talk about our dark rooms in life. This is the place where God refines us in the eye of the storms, in the struggle. It could be a momentary struggle of giving power away to someone's opinion of you or perhaps a situation where you were overlooked or not included. There are plenty of examples of the things that hijack us, and Satan is very crafty. He will disguise himself as an angel of light, meaning he knows what we're attracted to, and he will mimic that. It's the bait and switch to try to get our attention. And particularly when we are in the dark room, he tries to slither around to give us a false way out, whereas God's not done with us yet. We're not fully cooked. We're not fully developed. Can you imagine if we woke up tomorrow and we were able, with the power of the Holy Spirit, which we are, by the way, shift our entire relationship to those moments when we don't know, from one of fear and trepidation and worry to one of confidence? one of God's authority within us, one of power, remaining in the vine, being very, very confident that we will bloom where we were planted as we remain in Christ. John chapter 15. So we're going to have a little discussion around deliverance in the dark room. Keep in mind that question between you and God as you're listening to today's podcast, what is God delivering you from? What does he desire to deliver you from today in your dark room? And it could be the dark room of not knowing. 
as we bump around in that dark room of not knowing, the devil comes in and says, hey, how about we do this? How about we do that? He plants all kinds of, of different distractions. It's one of his one of his trickeries that he uses in our life is distraction. Let me distract you from, from time with God. Let me distract you from going to God first, from spending time in his word, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he is masterful at that. Not today, Satan, not today. Holy Spirit, I pray. I know that if you do not show up in today's podcast, then it won't go where you want it to go. So I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight for the edification and the strengthening of everyone that's on this call, that they will walk away from this podcast today with a fire in their heart and a confidence to trust in you, knowing that you do your greatest work in the dark room and you prepare us for where you want us to go. And if we don't go through the the dark room, confident that you are with us. We won't get to go where you want us to go. And it's that power within us that's able to accomplish abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So dear God, give us grace to remain in the dark room as long as you want us there for you to develop us and deliver us from the things that hold us back so we can go where you want us to go easily and naturally expand our territory and keep us from evil. We pray, Lord, we give you permission to withhold territory from us until we've developed the character in the dark room enough to be able to handle it. Have your way with us in spite of ourself and then the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Biblical examples of the dark room. Here are just a few. Exodus 8 through 11, Moses walks through the plagues, not sure of the end result every time. If you read through Exodus chapters 8 through 11, you'll see the doubt slithering in. Well, he's still not letting the people go, or he said he's going to let the people go, and then he changed his mind. (laughs) We can really relate to that. So perhaps you're in a situation and you're working with some passive-aggressive situations um, or, or people, or for, for that matter, perhaps you are experiencing a little, I want to do this, but I don't want to do that, and a little passive-aggressive behavior inside the castle within yourself. If you read through Exodus 8 through 11, you'll notice that Moses moves pretty effortlessly between faith and, and doubt back and forth at different times. And yet, God allows him to walk through that dark room of just not knowing to strengthen his faith. One miracle, one sign at a time through all the plagues. Then we have Jonah, book of Jonah. Jonah was in the dark room for three days in the belly of the whale. What was God delivering Jonah from? Pride. self-interest, comparison, even after he delivered him from this, uh, from the belly of the whale after three days, Jonah finally said, okay, fine, I'll go to Nineveh. So he goes to Nineveh, he spreads the word, hey, you better repent with sackcloth and ashes or God's going to destroy the city. So they listen. Jonah has a very interesting response. He's actually sulking that they listened because he wanted God to call down fire and take all those 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 bad people out. (laughs) 
there's evil people out. How many times have we felt that way? Even the disciples did. At one point, the disciples said, let's call fire down on these people. And Jesus stopped them. Because his way is always the way of serving and humility. And so Jonah had that dark room experience in the belly of the whale to rid him of self-interest and pride. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, check it out. It's entitled, One Thing God Hates. And the scriptures tell us pretty clearly the one thing, exactly, one thing God hates. And that's pride. There are many different faces, my friends. Jonah was hijacked and God loved him enough not to allow him to be burdened by the yoke of slavery or pride. And defiance. Pride and defiance often walk hand in hand. No, I got this. I can handle this, God. I'll be back soon, but things are really going my way. So I'm going to get a little slack on my quiet time in the morning and my prayers throughout the day because I got things to do. I'm important. I got places to go, people to see, and things to do. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for your patience with us in our smallness when we think we're big. And we are just jars of clay carrying a very powerful message out into the world, and God continues to use us. So there's Jonah, three days in the dark room. God's delivering him from the elements of self-focus, pride, defiance, anger, you name it. He loved him enough not to leave him there. Still wanted to use him. I love that. God's the hound from heaven, and he still wants to use you in spite of whatever it is that you're wrestling with in the dark room right now. Then we have Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den. That's, a, that's a, a dark room, my friends, and yet he had faith. Daniel's faith was strengthened every time he was bumped back. Daniel just continually had that faith. God allowed Daniel to go in the dark room, not for his salvation, but for the salvation of people outside the dark room, because then he had a testimony. So perhaps that's the deliverance that God's going to accomplish through whatever dark room you're going through. God does not waste suffering, my friends. Don't waste your suffering. That's another series we have at edgegodin.com. If you're going through some suffering, check that one out. Daniel, in the lion's den, that's his dark room. Rakshak and Benny, we just discussed him discussed them recently in a podcast, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into the fire. Uh, the dark room, very dark and hot, right? But they weren't even touched by the flames or the heat. And the Son of Man could have been Jesus walking around with them in there. Either way, they were not alone. They were surrounded with God's protection. As a result, their time in the dark room, in the furnace, led to the salvation and the shifting and changing of hearts of those who witnessed, particularly the king, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, he slipped back into pride about 29 verses later, the next chapter, and God threw him out into the wilderness. And then he was kind of rummaging around, lost his mind for a while, and then he came back again. That was his dark room. So Nebuchadnezzar went into a dark room to recover his identity in God, so he could reclaim 
the truth that there is a God, one God, all-powerful and all-loving. And he did after he was in the wilderness. That was his dark room. Joseph, for two years in the book of Genesis, he was thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. Very, very, very powerful work in that dark room. Joseph witnessed to many people in there, and his reputation grew to the point where he became the second, second man in command next to the leader. He delivered his whole family in the time of famine. So that was Joseph's dark room for crime he didn't commit. And then we have Zechariah. We move to the New Testament. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. Zechariah was visited by the same angel that visited Mary, Gabriel. And he questioned. So God allowed him to go into the dark room of silence for his wife's entire pregnancy. So that's about nine months of silence. What did he learn in that dark room? Oh, there are endless lessons that Zachariah learned. One of them is submission and the thrill of surrender. Rather than questioning God, it was a faith crisis. Is this, how do I really know that this is going to happen? And he knew the nature, Gabriel knew the nature of his doubting. And it was much different from Mary's questioning. When Zechariah questioned, it was coming from a place of doubt, which is why God allowed him, loved him enough, but allowed him through, through his love for Zechariah to go into the dark room to deliver him from doubt. Then there was uh, Lazarus. John chapter 15, um, first part, 1 through 45. Zachar or Lazarus was in the tomb. They went and told Jesus, who was good friends with Lazarus, and said, hey, your friend Lazarus is, is um, dying. He's sick. And then he died, and Jesus hung out for several days. So he was, ended up being in the tomb for three days. At that time, three days was very significant, because then he was really dead. First day, mm, kind of dead. Second day, maybe a little more. But third day, he's really dead. And God allowed him to be in the dark room of death for three days in order to deliver the people from doubt. Our faith, my friends, is a faith of historical truths. It's not just some inside good feeling and, and reason why we follow Jesus. You can speak this with confidence out there. Our faith is based on historical truths that have been documented over and over again. There was a man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth that lived and walked in this earth. And he suffered, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again from the grave. Hundreds of witnesses, witnessed testimonies of his resurrection are recorded. Our faith is because of a real-life event that happened. If anyone ever questions, hey, you know, why does Jesus, why, does Je why is, you know, your faith the only way? Aren't there lots of different ways? 
you know, many times we take this kind of personally and it's easy to get kind of upset over that question because of what Jesus did for us. He died, suffered, died, and rose again and took our sins to the cross and freed us so we can have communion with God. It's Jesus himself that said that. There's no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. Those are Jesus' words, who was a real man, God, man, made man. God sent his only son. He loved the world so much, he sent his only son, became, became man. And he walked this earth. And Jesus was huge on the miracles. He even said this, if you don't believe what I'm saying, at least believe in the miracles that I'm doing. So when he left Lazarus in the tomb, he was in, he had in mind, again, the power that works within us to accomplish abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. He's going for the salvation of souls here, raising a man from the tomb, because he knew that that spread like wildfire. Again, these are eyewitness accounts that have been recorded in history. An excellent book. There are several books out there, but one that I read when I was 17 that was really good is Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Talks More Than a Carpenter is another one. Um, there, are, there are many different books that just testify to, to the person of Jesus as well as to, um, to the historical truths and historically recorded facts of what happened when Jesus actually walked this earth. And then you come face to face with that choice point. And that's what happened with people that were kind of watching Jesus raise Lazarus from the tomb. We know that this man has physically been dead for three days. And yet Jesus is asking to roll away the stone. And Lazarus comes out in his grave clothes. And then Jesus directs the people, remove his grave clothes. Many times Jesus will take us out of the dark room, my friends, and he's working on delivering us from something, but we're still wearing the grave clothes. He's delivered us from fear. He's delivered us from self-doubt. And every now and then we're still wearing some grave clothes that he wants us to remove. So what are your grave clothes today that he's wanting to completely remove from your life as a result of being in the dark room as he develops you and delivers you. He's developing us. He's delivering us every single day. The people that push your buttons are your greatest teachers. They reveal where you're stuck in the dark room. I had the opportunity this week to visit Life Action, Life Action Ministries in Michigan. And it's an incredible ministry that goes around and empowers, equips um, churches throughout the United States and now beyond. Life Action, you can explore them online. Um, they're really stepping out with the original intention of that authenticity and humility and service. And um, all of the things that the disciples basically did in the beginning in the book of Acts, life action is putting forth and bringing into churches. So I had the opportunity to go out and facilitate, co-facilitate a discussion on emotional intelligence in Christ, first steps in emotional intelligence in Christ this week. 
And they were kind enough to put me up in their lodge. It's called The Lodge, Life Action Lodge, The Lodge. Beautiful place. And they hold marriage retreats there. They hold retreats. It's right on the water. Unbelievable place. It's about over 100 years old. And um, it's beautiful. And they put me up there and I was staying by myself. There weren't any retreats at this time. So there was no one else there at night. It was just me and many acres of land out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) As you drive into it, you can see it's just tons of beautiful land and turkeys. And I saw this huge turkey there and and, uh, birds and it's, it's beautiful. When the sun goes down, for me, that's a trigger because the dark night experience for me, I grew up in a haunted house and we used to see all kinds of stuff in the physical, uh, in the, in the spiritual realm, um, in our house and things would happen. Um, all kinds of stuff would happen. And I can make a whole podcast about that one. Needless to say, I still had some fear that was with me when the, when the, when the sun went down and I was thinking I'm alone in this place. Um, and it's an old place. My house was a hundred and some odd years old, 150 years old. And this is around the same age. So I had a little PTSD at night and had difficulty sleeping the first night that I was there. And God made it very clear to me that he was pulling me into the, into the dark room <laughs> to face the fear of staying alone in a place where nobody else was. And it was just God and I. And so I, I, I waffled back and forth between some of the images that I had as a child growing up in a haunted house um, from the time I was in second grade to the time I was 21. And some of those images Satan was using to kind of pull me into a place of fear. And so I was battling, declaring the scriptures throughout the night, perfect love, cast out all fear, remain in me and I will remain in you. And God didn't give me a spirit of fear, not of timidity, but of power, love, self-discipline. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. All these verses. That's why I'm a huge fan of memorizing verses, my friends, because when you're in the dark room, (laughs) that's your ammo. That's what Jesus used in the desert with the devil. And and it works because I um, ended up sleeping pretty well. I mean, I was definitely disrupted a couple different times from weird sounds and noises I wasn't used to, but that's what happens in an old, an old house. And um, when I woke up, I gave glory to God. And I saw that sun outside. I said, the fact that I slept at all in this dark room, you wanted me to face this fear is by your grace alone. And so the second night, because the training was, was, um, during the next day. And I was staying one more night before flying back. And I knew I was, you know, sun was going to go down and we had heard an incredible uh, teaching by uh, a gentleman there at Life Action, Dan Jarris, I believe his name is. And um, he did a teaching on um, love one more, just love one more person, one more person. And it's a challenge, the, the love one more challenge. And it was such a simple yet very profound teaching. I'm I'm hoping to get him on the podcast to be able to talk about it because it was very moving to me. 
And this one gal who I was hanging out with, Abigail, the whole time, she was incredible. And she just had such a huge heart and has such a huge heart of service. So I got to telling her about the fact that I grew up in a haunted house and I was staying there. So it was a little difficult sleeping. And, you know, I was joking around, I'm like, hey, you want to stay with me? <laughs> and so she knew that I was, I was afraid. And so we went out to dinner and I knew I, she was, drove me in the long driveway and dropped me off at this place when I'm the only person there. And I remember saying, okay, Jesus, here we are. And she said to me, she goes, I'm going to stay with you tonight. And literally, I you could probably see just, because I was getting ready to go back in the ring. I was getting ready to go back into the dark room um, and face the fears of, you know, looking for those doors to open and lights to turn on and off. And, you know, sometimes I would wake up in my house I grew up with and all my clothes were out of my dresser piled in the middle of the room. And um, all kinds of stuff, you know, seeing indents of people laying in beds and yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a wild childhood experience. Perhaps that's why I do stress management, <laughs> but again, that's the dark room. God uses all of it. He doesn't waste anything. So as I was uh, receiving that gift that Abigail gave me, she had said to me when she came over with her stuff, she said, you know, I, I thought about what Dan said today. And that one thing that, you know, love one more. And she goes, you're my one more. And I just felt so blessed by that. Cause the image that I got in mind is when, uh, God provided a lamb, you know, Isaac, or, or, you know, Abraham and Isaac, the whole story, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son and God provided a, 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 a ram to sacrifice instead. Right. And so just kind of, my mind's always working in metaphors, but come with me on this. So what I was thinking was, okay, Lord, I was willing to sacrifice another night's sleep so that he could deliver me from my fear of staying alone in a very old place by myself. And so I was ready to go back in the dark room and yet God provided a ram and someone to stay with me. So I didn't, I didn't have to go through that. So perhaps that's where you're at today. You thought you were going to be going through a difficult time and God is providing someone to give you relief, a sense of relief and a sense of calm. Perhaps that's your situation today. Either way, God is faithful, my friends. I see this again and again, and you have faith files. Whatever it is you're facing today, think of a time that is very similar in your timeline and pull up a faith file when you doubted what happened. And when you reflect on those faith files, that, that kind of does a domino effect into the present moment. I was doing that that night when I was by myself hearing all these weird sounds out in the middle of the forest <laughs> by myself with Jesus. I'm never by myself. And I just remember saying, hey, you delivered me from advanced cancer. You have a plan for my life. It's not going to be one of those hallmark murder mysteries. <laughs> Although the place um, could have done really well in one of those because it's absolutely gorgeous on the on the water and people can uh, use all kinds of uh, good filming in a situation like that. However, God is very faithful. And my stay was wonderful. And the people at Life Action are incredible uh, people on mission for for Jesus. But getting back to the story of Lazarus, came out of the tomb. God delivered him from death for the sake of salvation of souls, to take him where he wanted him to go, to take him where he wanted him to go. Then there's the woman who was bleeding. That was longer, 12 years in the dark room, right? 
But God's healing, it's very interesting. It's not confined, my friends, by time or intensity. When God's done with the deliverance, it's done in an instant. You were there yesterday, and now you're here today. Like Peter, he was fishing for fish one day, fishing for men the next. When God calls you, and you're done with the dark room, and he's delivered you, and he's also developed you to take you where he wants you to go, then it's done. Same thing for the man that was crippled, John 5, 1 through 16, for 38 years. Then we have Saul, and we'll end with Saul today, Acts 9. I read this several times today, just reminding myself of the different aspects of that encounter. Here, Paul, Saul was, was breathing out murderous threats toward the followers of Jesus Christ, followers of the way. And he was after him to catch him so that they would be tried and, and murdered. And he was on his way to Damascus, and Jesus knocked him off his horse. Interestingly, his dark room was three days. Three days he was in the dark room. Literally, he couldn't see. His, his sight was taken from him. Ananias was in the dark room of, of lack of faith when God called Ananias, because Ananias was sent to Saul to be able to heal him, baptize him, and in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, scales fell from his eyes and he was able to see anew. So God, in three days, delivered Saul into Paul, and thousands of Gentiles came to follow Jesus as a result of his witness. What's interesting at the end of Acts 9 is it says, immediately, he went to preach in the synagogue. Can you imagine the faces? After he was delivered from the dark room, immediately he went out. So what's your dark room today? That's really the question. What is your dark room that you're in? A big dark room for many human beings, including myself, is not knowing how things will turn out. So what is it in your life today where you're wondering how it's going to turn out? Without Jesus, that will produce anxiety. That will produce fear. Perhaps that'll produce um, some obsessive compulsive behaviors in order to remain in control, to grip a hold of things, depending upon how you're wired. Perhaps you're fearing rejection of something, and you're not quite sure if you should step out of the boat with a new idea because you're afraid it might fail right? Failure is just a label we place on undesirable outcomes. That's the dark room, my friends. I don't know anyone that would sign up to be in a dark room. And yet it's the very place that God does his mighty work of deliverance and developing who we are. We get developed the image of who we are in Christ. The image of who we are in Christ develops in the dark room. So my invitation to you is to embrace your time in the dark room, wherever you are, of not knowing, of being confused, of wondering why things happen as they did, how things are going to turn out. What is God delivering you from? Or perhaps you're just emerging from a dark room experience. What did God develop within you as a result of that time in the dark room? What is he delivering you from? Think about those two things specifically. Holy Spirit, show me what you're delivering me from. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand the situation fully. I don't really know what my next step is in life. So what are you teaching me? 
Perhaps you're teaching me patience. Lord, you love me enough not to leave me with a small faith. It hurts in the moment of being trained in the dark room and delivered and refined and developed in the dark room. Yet this is going to give me the freedom of Galatians 5.1. I've always wanted. It is for freedom you have set us free, Lord. Help us to stand firm and not allow ourselves to be burdened by the yoke of slavery, particularly the yoke of needing to be in control and needing to know how things are going to turn out. Lord, we give you permission to deliver us and to develop us in a way that you desire to deliver us and you desire to develop us so that we could be used for your kingdom and for the sake of salvation of souls. You know exactly what you want us to let go of. And many times we're gripping so tightly, as was the case with Jonah, to our own plan and our own way that we think things should roll out, that we don't even open our hand to receive the developing that you want to do within our soul to prepare us for the seat that you've prepared for us to sit in. So grant us the grace of humility and give us the freedom of surrender. All parts of us in the dark room so that we can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. And just as Saul, in three days, was transformed from wanting to murder Christians to proclaiming the truth of Christ, the very thing he wanted to snuff out, you do powerful transformation in very little time in the hearts of those who are willing to be transformed, developed, and delivered. Give us the grace to allow you, as our master potter, to mold us, shape us, refine us into the image of your son, Jesus, so that when people see us, they encounter Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to love you more today than yesterday. In your most precious name we pray, amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, give them heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side going on. You could visit us at Emotional Intelligence in Christ. Actually, we're offering a 50% discount on our course, Emotional Intelligence in Christ course. And it's very interactive. We have, um, in terms of the videos, we've got different learning modalities, um, listening, reading, and videos. And we're offering that 50% off at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com at checkout. Simply use the discount code EIC2023, EIC2023. And if you haven't done so already, you can explore the, the other learning modalities that we have at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. We also offer a, a newsletter with a tip to become more emotionally intelligent in Christ, which comes out bi-monthly. So enjoy your journey with the Lord and increase your confidence in the dark room. God never wastes any thread or shred of discomfort in our life, which often happens in the dark room. He's after deliverance, 
and developing so that we can step into the image of who he's created us to be. I'll end with this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. One of my favorite ones. So we do not lose heart, my friends, even though we're wasting away outwardly. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's the work of the dark room, my friends. Enjoy your gift of life. Give them heaven out there. Look forward to talking in our next podcast. God bless you.